Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Welcome. It's Wacky Wednesday here on the Arrowhead Act channel. I'm Adam Best with Sterling Holmes and producer Richard Sterling. Still feeling the... Uh, the championship, you know, vibes. You uh, basking in the glory still over there? I still feel good, baby. I can, still feel good. How can you not? I, I'm not going to lie. You've seen Office Space, right? Oh, like 30 times. Yeah, great movie. Uh, this is a little little fun one for the video watchers instead of audio listeners. But let me try and paint a picture for the audio listeners. If you've seen Office Space, you know the guy that's, uh, you know what I do? Bye. Had a million dollars, two, and then I'm not going to say the rest because this is a PG show. Um, Adam Best looks like that guy with the mustache right now. It's a compliment, by the way, because that's a great movie and he's a great character, so you're welcome. Yeah, what is that guy's name in real life, the actor? Maybe it will come to me. It's something like Diedrich Bader or something like yeah. that. Yeah, I mean, you totally look like a dude who works at a auto body shop. Like, you have totally fixed my car before well this this vintage jacket's like the drive thing so you know we're going all all old school today i'm a fan i'm a fan well today we're going to look at fixing the chief's offense should be a fun conversation as i think free agency it's safe to say is a strength of this show we have our strengths we have our weaknesses we all do but on this particular show last year we predicted richie james donovan smith and charles aminahue among the few uh, predictions for making the Chiefs. So we called those right. I'm sure we got some things wrong, but uh, prescient shots there. So we're going to get under the hood. You talked about looking like a mechanic. We're going to get under the hood and see if we can tinker with the Ferrari that is the Chiefs offense a little bit. Yeah, you know, just a routine oil change. All this Chiefs team needs as you have won back-to-back Super Bowls. But before we get there, I want to give a shout-out. If you have not downloaded the FanDuel app yet, you will definitely want to take advantage of this offer. New users who sign up with our link must deposit $10 and place a first wager Five bucks on any live bet. If that first bet wins, you will receive $150 in bonus bets straight to your account. This offer is only available if you sign up through our link, bit.ly forward slash arrow 150. You can find that link in the description below our stream, as well as scan the QR code on screen to start signing up. Again, that link is bit.ly forward slash arrow 150. This offer will end shortly, so make sure you don't miss out. Offers only available to new customers with 21 plus and physically present in legal gambling states. Please remember to always gamble responsibly and check the episode description for the link in the full terms of the offer. Meanwhile, you are clean shaving, looking very uh, aerodynamic over there. Yeah, I had to. I had to shave because, you know, the past two years, it's playoff mustache. I grow it when the playoffs start and I shave it when it ends. Well, they've won the Super Bowl both times. I've grown the bad boy out. So it it gets saved for special occasions. Yeah, this is probably the last hurrah for me, too, because it it obviously can conjure some power. Uh, Last year was just a single mustache. That's all we needed in in 2020, uh, in 2022. In 2023, we needed the double stash. We had to conjure up every every bit of magic we could muster right and it, and it got us over the finish line had nothing to do with you know <laughs> Mahomes being the best player of all time it was all it was all the stash power uh let's jump into this segment we're calling it offseason overhaul uh first up is the offense so the Chiefs are set at quarterback we're not going to talk about Mahomes and Blaine Gabbert that would be a complete waste of time tied in they're pretty set guard I think they're they're really set at guard and and center, I mean, uh, maybe Creed Humphrey spent a little time in your snaps this offseason, but otherwise you were golden, all pro caliber player minus that little setback this year where they do have work to do, however, is that wide receiver tackle and not running back, but satellite back that kind of secondary pass catching back. That's 
that's uh, more of a third down guy. So those are the three positions we're going to look at. Sterling and I are going to ask ourselves some, some questions to kind of assess the state of each position. And then we're going to throw out some possibilities of where we could go this offseason, where the Chiefs could go, how they can shake things up, and maybe improve these areas where I think with some tweaks, this offense can get back to you know top five level where, where it rightfully should be. Would yeah. you agree with that, that kind of assessment? Yeah, I, I don't think it takes much. When you have Mahomes and Andy Reid, it won't take much to get back to top three offense in the NFL. I, I think it's just, again, as you mentioned, it's just a tweak. Yeah, the floor is basically we, what we saw last season. And let's start off with a couple of questions where I think the Chiefs had high hopes for two players, but things just kind of broke wrong and didn't work out. It, it, what we kind of saw with the wide receiver room was, I would say, probably the worst case scenario or about the worst case scenario. So let's start with Kadarius Tony. Has he played his last down in Kansas City? I say yes. I think the Super Bowl was a pretty big indicator of that. I know it's a small thing, but they tried to hype him up a good amount. And it was PR. It all came down to what are the Chiefs actually going to do? That's their real thoughts, in my opinion, on Tony. The real thoughts are they don't trust him. The real thoughts are it's too much of a headache compared to what the production has actually been. At some point, you can always talk about potential, but eventually it's just still potential. At some point, you have to do it. You know, I think we all got enamored by the athleticism and we took that for, look what he could do. Well, it's great if you have athleticism, but if you don't have hands or between the ears to get it done, you're never going to reach that top level. You're you're not, I'm not going to say you're wasting it, but again, it's always going to be that what if. Like Darius Hayward Bay, very athletic, very fast. John Brown, John Ross. But, But what did it come down to? End of the day, if you don't have great hands, if you're not picking up the offense, athleticism is great. You'll be great at the YMCA leagues and you, you'll, you'll be great playing flag football, but NFL, no. So I think he played his last snap. I, I think the Chiefs tried to do right by him, but he could not get out of his own way, especially with the injuries. I think they were trying to actually try and hide him and say, hey, he's injured, guys. At 31 other teams, he's injured. So maybe you guys want to take a chance on him. I understand he's under contract and it's still the rookie deal. They're not paying that fifth year option, obviously. But at some point, I still don't think the juice is worth the squeeze for a sixth wide receiver that seemingly can't get out of his own way. So I think he's released. That moment where Patrick Mahomes blew his cool and yelled at the refs, I think who we might have wanted to yell at and possibly strangle was Kadarius Tony in that minute, in that moment. Because with the Detroit game, he gave him some grace there. Like first game of the season, we'll get it together, young buck. Uh, you know, let's let's deflect the blame elsewhere. And they gave him an abundance of chances, and he just couldn't get it together. Couldn't stay healthy. Uh, just the coaches don't trust him. His quarterback doesn't trust him. And maybe he's one of these guys who is an all-pro below the neck but is just a bit of a head case. I hate to say that, but I, I don't think there's anything else to summarize at this point. When two franchises have kind of come to the same conclusion about a first round pick. So, I mean, pretty immediately he wore out his welcome in, in, you know, a year and a half in basically both places. So the shelf life is extremely short. We've got the cloud going for him for his rap career. He's got that going for him, I think. Well, I hope that works out for him. And and you know what? Maybe stranger things have happened. Maybe someone throws us a six and we throw them a seven and Tony and they use him as a punt returner and an occasional weapon. And, and he uh, I would send him to the most boring place possible, though. Um, I don't know. I'm trying to talk myself into it because, you know, you want people to succeed, but I'm just not seeing the path. But this is the NFL. Someone, he's a former first-round pick who's still very young, still looks explosive when he's out out there. I'm sure there's some arrogant front office that will think, hey, at this discount price, maybe we can fix this guy. Hmm. Sky Moore? Yeah, I I got some thoughts on Sky. Well, at this point, he would really have to defy trends to become a late breakout because players who have shown us this little – 
the first year was like, okay, 250 yards, it's still possible. But giving us nothing in his sophomore season, whew, guys like that just don't really break out. So he would have to be a real anomaly. And I'm having a hard time seeing it. Didn't play in the Super Bowl, right? Not, not a good omen for his trajectory here in Kansas City. I actually am more optimistic with Sky more than the majority of folk. Uh, again, I'm not saying he's going to be a wide receiver one or a wide receiver two even necessarily, but can he be a useful piece in Kansas City is what I'm going to pose the question. And my answer is yes. I think he's a guy who could become a 500 to six, almost different style, but almost like a McCole Hardman type of guy where you're like, okay, you look at the, the, the back of the card into the season, 500 yards, four touchdowns. You're like, yeah, he, he, he played a role and he was fine. I, I think he can do that. He's on a rookie contract with two more years left on it, right? He's mm-hmm. going to be here next year. Sky Moore will be here. Whatever you guys' thoughts are, I would be absolutely shocked, dumbfounded if the Chiefs decided to cut to cut him in, in just part ways. I, I think he's back. And I think there's a reason why you could find and talk yourself into a guy who could become useful. He's a slot receiver who was playing on the outside last year. When you saw him, his rookie season, have a little bit of success, where did it come from? Well, when he was playing the slot, he looked decent, right? He looked fine. He had a little juice. And then this year he got moved to the outside because Rasheed Rice took over in the slot, which makes sense. Rasheed Rice looked way better than Sky. But I think Rasheed Rice is going to start moving to the outside more. We saw that a little bit as the season progressed. Again, I know your thoughts that you think Rasheed Rice thrives as the power slot. I get all that stuff. But if Rasheed Rice does move to the outside more and he still puts it the same numbers, then that does allow a path for Sky Moore to, again, be a useful, not great, a useful slot receiver. I think that's still in the cards for him. It all depends on if the Chiefs believe Rasheed Rice is more of an outside guy or a power slot. That's all going to determine what Sky Moore is used for going forward. Again, I have hopes for him, not saying a thousand yards, but I think he can become a useful wide receiver. Yeah, and remember even though we're kind of discussing what his actual role will be, Andy Reid receivers are somewhat mutually interchangeable. Just because we say someone is the slot, that means they're in the slot 60% of the time, more than anybody else. They're still outside 35, 40% of the time. So Sky can get some slot opportunities. For me, I've just lowered the ceiling um, down considerably. When he first came to Kansas City, I was hoping that he would be like peak Golden Tate, something like that. Uh, maybe Deontay Johnson in that ballpark. But, you know, you, you, you said that. You said that. And uh, now I, I'm kind of looking, can he be Byron Pringle? Can he stick around and be a hustle guy? Maybe get a, a, a catcher to a game. Maybe do some of this end-around stuff that they had. I mean, Rasheed Rice was doing it basically by default, By the time the Super Bowl rolled around, because that's the only player they trusted with the ball in his hands, they didn't really trust McColl and Kadarius anymore. And Sky Moore hadn't had any touches for a long time, but we've seen him be serviceable on those jet sweeps. He's, you know, he breaks tackles. He's pretty elusive in space. Maybe they can cut out like a wide receiver four role for him. Uh, I know that's a little disappointing for a second rounder, but they're they're not all going to hit. You know, you you take a couple of swings. Rasheed Rice is a huge hit. Sky Moore looks probably like a miss, but maybe they can salvage it to some degree. Yeah. Again, if he turns into a little bit like McColl, different style, but similar production, I think you, you, you go ahead and take it. At this point, it's a sunk cost. Mm-hmm. Whatever you spend on him, it's a sunk cost. You can't just sit back and say, well, we spent a second, so he has to be this. No, he's on your roster now. Do what you can do to salvage what you can. I, I, again, I have nothing bad to say about Sky. I think part of it's in between his head. I think this year he got down on himself. Um, hopefully a, a full off season to get right, maybe gives him some confidence back because it did feel like he was just a guy from his rookie season where he couldn't catch a punt to this year where he couldn't see the field. And when he was, he struggled. Um, I think he's a little bit in his head right now. And you could tell from how he was running routes. He was trying to be too precise. You do that. You're thinking, you're overthinking. You almost get the yips a little different, but I think personally that's what happened. It's paralysis by analysis, right? And I actually think the Chiefs learned a little bit from Sky Moore because I think some of the ways they handled him early, not really getting him the ball, having him return punts when he hadn't done that before, 
he got down on himself. And I don't know that his confidence has ever fully restored itself. And you look at Rasheed Rice, the way they've now Rasheed Rice just might be a naturally more confident guy, more of a gamer, but I think they built him up the right way. Uh, maybe still a little bit slowly for my taste, but they did a good job with him. The other thing I'd say about Sky Moore, I know a lot of Chiefs fans want him gone. We said, I mean, people kind of had the same kind of feelings for Clyde Edwards-Alaire last year, but he was cheap. He was under contract and the Chiefs are loyal. They're very loyal to these young guys. They give them time. They, uh, It's not all or nothing with their young guys. They uh, use guys, especially on offense, they spread the ball around. So if they can find some ancillary role for Sky Moore, they can make it work as much as they possibly can at this point. Let's move on to Marquez Valdez-Scantling. I'm sure a lot of fans want to talk about this. He's the 22nd highest paid receiver in football. The Chiefs could save $12 million releasing him. His dead cap is only $2 million. The question is, should he be cut? Well, he's not coming back on this contract. That much is, I think, if you want a Sterling Holmes guarantee, there you go. Really going out on a limb here. Um, it's going to be restructured at a minimum. I actually wouldn't be that surprised if they found a way to bring him back on a new deal, almost like Frank Clark a year ago, right? When, they, when they're when they like, yeah, you're not coming back for that. But if you want to come back for this, we'll make it work. I could see the same thing happening. Same time, but the Chiefs just want to move on completely. Because I don't think, and we'll talk about Justin Watson in a second, I don't think both would come back. That, to me, again, seems unnecessary, a very similar skill set. So I think what you're going with is who's going to be cheaper? Who is willing to take less money? Is MVS going to go to another team where I don't think he's going to get a lot of money to begin with? Like, I'm, I'm sorry, but maybe he gets a two-year, $12 million deal. Maybe. I, like, that seems probably in the realm of possibility. Or does he stay in Kansas City and he gets a restructured deal, which is over two years? That also would make sense to me. I'm kind of 50-50 on MVS, which is probably not what a lot of folks want to hear, but that's my understanding of how the Chiefs typically operate. I think the reason you have to do this, you have to release him, is the roads to signing both, re-signing both Chris Jones and LeJarius Need. I think they all include shedding this, this kind of, it's a bit of an albatross from the from the payroll. So I think you have to release him I just really do. I think there are also better versions of him on the free agent market. And this is actually a draft, which we will get to with quite a few players who are kind of taller and stretch the field with long speed. So I think he's replaceable. I would say the Chiefs should learn a lesson from what happened with Sammy Watkins. They got really lucky on that first championship run with Sammy Watkins staying healthy and getting hot during the playoffs. They thought they could do it again, maybe. They brought him back on a reduced salary. It still was still was uh, not that reduced. I think it was something like $15 million, and that was a disaster. You know, So I think it, he's a person. He seems like a good guy by he's all great, accounts. He's a great dude. From, 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 from this, the times I've talked with him, he, he, he's a very nice guy. It's tough to talk about, but you can't get overly sentimental in this business when you're trying to prolong a dynasty. And and Andy Reid has experience with this, not only here, but in Philadelphia. These guys ha- have been doing this for a long time. So I think it's going to be a tough choice because I'm sure he's liked in that, in that locker room and all that. But I just think there are either better or cheaper or both ways to replace him. I think he's gone with the, with the big decisions and the big free agents they have looming. Yeah, if you cut him, it's only two million against the cap. Is what it looked like. The dead cap hits two million. So uh, versus thirteen point three, whatever it is. So again, he's not back on that thirteen point three. It's either a restructure or he's released. You can't pay the eightieth best receiver like he's the twenty second best receiver. It's just I don't know if you heard that. My dog's having a nightmare. He's he's just thinking about bringing back MVS and. I trust that dog. I trust your dog, dude. I I do too. Great playoff guy, though. MVS, always big in the playoffs. Unbelievable. You wonder if him getting hot at the right time can continue, but uh, we'll see. 
maybe for another roster next year. McCole Hardman and Richie James are both free agents. Richie James is famously a Sterling guy. Do you let both walk? Do you maybe bring one back on the cheap? You might bring one back. Uh, I, I don't. I don't think they're guaranteed. I think if you're bringing one back, it's probably McCole Hardman, just based on the Chiefs found a way to bring him back during the regular season. As much as I like Richie James, obviously the Chiefs were not going to give him an opportunity. I don't expect him to get a larger opportunity next year. If he could not crack um, a larger snap cat share in this wide receiver group, why would we expect a change? Again, I like Richie James. Just didn't happen here in Kansas City. I trust him as a punt returner, which I think does matter. Uh, obviously, Dave Tobe gets to keep a few of his guys every single year. But is Richie James going to be a guy that he decides that he has to have? I don't think so. So in that regards, I would be fairly surprised if Richie James comes back. Sad for me. McCall Hardman, again, I think you can make a case for. All depends what the Chiefs are trying to do. Obviously, Rasheed Rice, I think he's there. Sky Moore, I think, is there. I think you might keep either A, MVS restructure, or Watson. There's three receivers there. Maybe you keep McColl because you like the veteran leadership that he brings. Maybe you like the fact that you can use him as a gadget type of guy. And he does have speed, even though he's not great on the deep ball, not great tracking it. Well, he did track it in the Super Bowl, in the biggest biggest stage, biggest moment. That was when he tracked. So, I don't know. We'll see. But I wouldn't be surprised if McColl came back. The thing with McColl that we saw last year in free agency is I think he probably has more value to the Chiefs than I would say every other team in the league at this point. He is just not a valuable commodity outside of Arrowhead. But the Chiefs, they know how to use him. He knows the system. He's cheap. He's explosive for what he would probably cost. So I think this is more of a possibility than Richie James. If he's going to be around, I would like to see him go back to returning punts because that's a big part of his value. And I, I don't know, as a receiver, depending on the price tag, if, it, if it's what he got paid last year, that's $6 million or something. That's a little steep for my taste. So I think it's just going to depend on price. If he's a bargain bin deal and he wants to stay in Kansas City and get a fourth ring, which is entirely possible given the way things went for him in New York, I'd be down with that. Uh, I guess we'll just have to see how much the Chiefs value him in the building yeah. and how much he he wants to stick around the system he's familiar with and be part of, of history here, or if he wants to try to squeak out, squeeze out one last contract. And I, I wouldn't begrudge him with the amount of money he's made so far uh, if he wanted to do that. Yeah, no one was mad at him when he took the contract with the Jets. We all thought it was less than he was going to get, but we all said good for you for at least getting some more money. Uh, let's go to Justin Watson now, because I think Justin Watson's the one. Again, I talked about MVS a little bit. My true feelings here is Justin Watson's the guy that's back because he's already under contract. Now, they could cut him. There's $0 that are guaranteed to Justin Watson. Just look it up. According to Over the Cap, $0 guaranteed to Justin Watson. But if the Chiefs keep him, it is only... Sorry, there's an ad playing for some reason. Uh, if the Chiefs keep him... It is a cap number of 2.1 million. I think you keep Justin Watson for 2.1. So I'm looking at this right now. If I'm looking at the Chiefs wide receivers of who they keep, I'm looking at Rasheed Rice, Sky Moore, who has two years left on a rookie contract. That's the reason why. Justin Watson, who I think, again, you keep him for 2.1. MVS is gone. Kadarius Tony's gone. I think Richie James is gone. And then I think the Chiefs will try and bring back McCall Harbin on a fairly small deal. So those four receivers are the guys I think would become back. And then you bring in a veteran as well as a rookie. That's my um, main philosophy, what the Chiefs do. Could be wrong, but that's what I'm seeing right now. Keeping Justin Watson and releasing MVS – that's the money ball move because worst case scenario, if you draft somebody and they kind of acclimate slowly, you know, Justin Watson can do that kind of big field stretcher role. He's comfortable there. He knows the playbook. This is going to be his third year in the system. He can play special teams if you need him to. He's not a guy that's going to demand the ball uh, or cause problems. He's been healthy. He seems to always make it out there on the field. So he does have some value. I think that's a pretty cheap deal. No reason not to keep him around as that wide receiver four-ish guy, wide receiver five-ish guy, and be part of the platoon. Let's look at Rasheed Rice next. I kind of feel like he was the draft hit the Chiefs 
desperately needed, given what happened with Kadarius and Sky, sort of saved the ceiling. What's his ceiling? We know he's going to be around. We know he's going to be a focal point of the offense. Was last year his ceiling kind of a power slot zone buster that puts up about 1,000 yards a year? Or can he develop a little bit more, let's say, man-beating skills, a little bit more uh, outside vertical route stuff, and turn himself into sort of a complete receiver? Yeah, I think he can. I mean, guys have shown it. You don't have to be the most athletic guy. Like Stephon Diggs is athletic, but Stephon Diggs is not A.J. Brown or D.K. Metcalf. He got it done by being a very great route runner, right? Mm-hmm. Like, there's different ways to get it done. Like, I don't think he's ever going to be A.J. Brown. That, that's not his his style. That's not his game. But I do think you could make a case that could Rasheed Rice be a top 20 wide receiver. Yeah, I think he could be a guy who's in that 15 to 20 range, which I think at that point you're knocking on the door of a legit wide receiver one. I think there's about 15 to 20 wide receiver ones in the NFL. Obviously, there's 32 teams, but there's not 32 wide receiver ones. That's the way I view it. Could he turn into a, again, different style? I I could see him being T. Higgins. Like, I don't want the Chiefs to get T. Higgins because I think Rasheed Rice, that is what I think he's probably going to be next year. Like, I think people get enamored by T. Higgins because, like, oh, he's a wide receiver one alongside a wide receiver one with Jamar. No, Jamar is a wide receiver one. T. Higgins, to me, is, again, maybe he's the 32nd best wide receiver, one of the the best 32, but he's not a guy who you're like, I want to build my wide receiver core around. That's my personal opinion. Rasheed Rice, I think, is a guy who you might find in a couple years that actually outgrows and, and he finds his way into the top 20. But right now, going into next year, I think he's a, t- a top 32 receiver, which in my mind is a great wide receiver two on the cusp of being a back-end wide receiver one. That's why I view Rasheed Rice. Let's think back to the way Brandon Ayuk started his career in San Francisco. Very similar player, very raw, mostly a zone beater, lots of yak, had trouble against man coming out of college. And, and famously, he even beefed with Kyle Shanahan a little bit because he was having trouble kind of growing as a receiver. But then he locked in and became one of the best route runners and separators in the NFL. So somewhat of a similar athlete. We've seen this happen before. I'm, I'm not betting on it, but I'm not betting against him because he has some serious dog in him. He has just that, that kind of it factor. You see it in the way he carries himself, the way he works. He the stage is never too big for him. He wanted the ball to win the game in the Super Bowl. He was mad at his quarterback that he didn't get the ball to win the championship. I mean, what does that tell you about the kid? I think he's got room for growth. Remember, his college career was kind of tainted because of that his senior year because of that toe injury. So I don't think we assessed how good he really was. And he still was, I think he led the league in receiving yards or something, college football as a, as a senior. So there's a lot of room for improvement here. Yeah, I'm with you, man. I, I, I think Brandon Ayuk is a very astute observation in regards to, I think, what he could be. Chris, Chris Godwin's another guy that, that, you know, peak Chris Godwin. I mean, that would be great. That's a lofty kind of ceiling for him, but I think it's possible. And to kind of summarize this group, to win a championship with this receiver room, Patrick Mahomes from an, uh, an expected points added standpoint was basically peak Justin Fields as a scrambler and peak Tom Brady as a sack and turnover avoider. Sterling, is that level of play in the playoffs sustainable? Do you think it is? I mean, a serious question. For Mahomes, Yeah. I, I mean, honest, honestly, yes, because it's it's Mahomes, man. I, I will never doubt him. Like, uh, we joked about it, like, can he get it done? I, I, I said right now, I think the Chiefs actually and Brett Veach have laid a game plan out that works where during the regular season, there might be some struggles at wide receiver and Mahomes can't elevate them every single game. But for the playoffs, for three or four games, yeah, he can. Like, he cannot elevate his defense. So the Chiefs are going to keep focusing, in my opinion, on the defense. And at wide receiver, I don't think we're going to see this massive splash that a lot of people are wanting to see. Sorry. It's going to be disappointing for you guys. But they've laid the, the blueprint of, okay, we'll give him a good defense. And he's going to elevate come playoff time for three or four games. He will put the team on his back and they'll get it done. Yeah, maybe the regular, the regular season's 11 and 6 instead of 14 and 3. But if you're hoisting the Lombardi at the end of it, does it really matter? No. Yeah, and I don't want to sound like I'm talking out of both sides of my mouth. I think he's certainly capable of this, and this is just who he is. He's the greatest 
talent the NFL has ever seen. At the same time, this is not the optimal way to do things. And I think Brett Veach would acknowledge that. He always wants to put his quarterback in the best position possible. Uh, I actually saw this tweet from former GM Randy Mueller, who was, uh, I think he was last with the Saints. He was also with the Dolphins. He's been around, right? Now he kind of covers football professionally. He said the Chiefs have put the blueprint out, I'm paraphrasing, for like basically not valuing receivers. And this is going to be the roadmap. And I'm like, wait a second, dude. That is crazy. They have Patrick Mahomes. Unless other teams start cloning Patrick Mahomes, they all have to value one of the most important positions in the league differently. Now, maybe for Kansas City, this works. Not paying receivers, not valuing receivers as much as other teams. But I still think Brett Veach is going to probably lean into overcorrecting and create a better situation. That doesn't mean Mike Evans. That doesn't necessarily mean a first-round pick. I just cannot see the guy standing pat with this group. I I get it. It's not going to – again, they're not standing pat, but also you have to understand in a salary cap era, not everyone's going to be an all-pro. If you want Snead, if you want Chris Jones, if you want the defense to be great, if you want to see Trey Smith, Creed Humphrey, Nick Bolton, uh, if you want to see Drew Tranquil, if you want to see a legitimate full team instead of just an explosive offense that's great in Madden, you're going to have to make a sacrifice somewhere. And again, if this is me, I'm sacrificing at a spot where the quarterback can elevate. I'm not going to sacrifice at a spot that, guess what, Mahomes can't elevate. That's where I land on this. I think maybe there's a path to the best of both worlds. Let's look at some free agents. First off, you have Mike Evans. I'm just, I know a lot of Chiefs fans want him. I'm just going to go ahead and say he is too expensive yeah. with Jones and Sneed still up in the air. Spot track value is... Uh, projected at $95 million over four years. And then you have some age and injury issues. He always seems to play, but it's like there always seems to be a nagging hamstring or something with him. He's, I don't give a hoot. He goes over 1,000 yards every single season. Who, who cares if he's injured? Dude, he's unbelievable. And DeAndre Hopkins stayed healthy and had a good year last year. But, you know, you're betting against – historic trends here you're betting against the age cliff that's just a lot of money a hundred million dollars for a receiver over 30 i just i wouldn't touch that with a 10-foot pole so you have some cheaper options to kind of replace mvs with let's say a better field stretcher via free agency three guys that come to mind marquise hollywood brown 60 million for four years is the projected value also has injury issues more injury issues than mike evans who actually gets on the field Gabe Davis, $55 million for four years. Again, injury issues. Doesn't have a full route tree. And then Darnell Mooney, which is kind of a little bit more of a bargain price. $40 million for four years. I, I don't know. That's still a lot of money for a guy that's kind of, kind of meh. I know he's fast. I know he has some value as a field stretcher. But I kind of think the Chiefs can do better in the first two or three rounds of the draft. Yeah. And this is a year with a lot of tall vertical receivers, kind of like MVS, but better versions. There's Oregon's Troy Franklin. There's Texas uh, Xavier Worthy. There's the other Xavier, Xavier Leggett from South Carolina. Those are just a few names. I'm just starting to kind of dig into the college wide receivers, but I think this is a pretty deep group. And that's kind of what we're seeing every year now with college offenses becoming more spread out. Wouldn't you agree that, that it's easier to find wide receiver help in the draft and and get them up to speed more so than it used to be. So throwing $40 million at Darnell Mooney when you're trying to pay your own stars, that just doesn't seem like uh, uh, the right path to take. 100%. It comes down to, and again, I'm not saying you can, this is still feasible. It still might not work cap-wise. It's all going to come down to if they can get Mahomes to restructure and give that as a bonus, which again comes down to does Clark Hunt want to pay an absurd amount of money out of pocket, right? We're talking cash flow now to get it done. There, there are some ways to you can keep Legarius and Chris Jones. It, it, it's just you got to get real creative. You throw a wide receiver like Mike Evans or even one like Gabe Davison in the mix, you're losing – at least one of those guys. 
Right. I ain't doing it. Um, Darnell Moody is the most intriguing for me, but even that, I, I'm, I'm out. Gabe Davis, hell no. Not even close. That guy is so inconsistent. Just because he had a couple good games against Kansas City doesn't mean that that guy is a stud. If he was that good, there's a reason why the Bills are – every Bills fan I've talked to, they're okay moving on from him. That should tell you something. Um and with Mooney, you look at Mooney and you say, well, I didn't really like that offense. I didn't really like his quarterbacks. With Gabe Davis, you're like, he, he had Josh Allen. This is his ceiling. He's not going to get any better. Yeah. Uh, Michael Pittman's the dream. Michael Pittman's not going to happen. It's just too expensive. Nope. I tried to he's sway gonna, him he's on gonna Radio He's going to be franchise row. tag probably too. Oh, yeah. I tried swaying him on Radio Row because he was talking about how he's also, he has like a farm and stuff too. And he's like, he has a whole bunch of animals. Really cool guy. Michael Pittman's super nice, great dude. And uh, not tampering, obviously. But I'm just saying, you know, like, you know, did you ever think about moving your farm to it? So let's just say, for example, Kansas City, you know, may, may, maybe that. And he was like, nah, I'm, uh, <laughs> I like where I'm at. So um, much as I like Michael Pittman, love him here. I think it's a pipe dream. Uh, so I'm looking at a secondary or, or tertiary guy at wide receiver. Uh, I think a draft is, is going to be the, the spot where you really try and upgrade wide out. I do think that if this were me, I'm drafting a defensive tackle in the first round. If you can get one of the two Texas guys, uh, yeah, Byron Murphy. No, sorry, Byron Murphy or uh, I butcher the guy's other guy. I'm drawing a blank right now. Um I don't know if you know the Texas defensive tackle as well. Uh, w- w- one of those two dudes at the end of the first round, you go that route. If not, well, maybe you're you go Troy Franklin. Maybe you go, um, you know, Worthy. The Chiefs are in an interesting spot where I think they're going to try and do what they did last year, where they might even trade up or trade back. But quite frankly, at 32 last year, Will Levis was still on the board, and we all thought, all right, they can trade out because someone's going to want that fifth year option on a quarterback. Didn't happen. So even if Michael Penix Jr., for example, starts falling, I wouldn't expect a team to start clamoring up to say, hey, yeah, we'll give you a lot because we want that fifth year option. I think the Chiefs are kind of stuck between a rock and a hard place at 32. So you might be reaching a little bit for Troy Franklin. Or you're trying to get lucky and get one of the defensive tackles from Texas. But the first couple rounds are going to be very fascinating. Thank you, Sweat. Uh, Sweat's the other guy from uh, from Texas. Um, it's going to be interesting to see what the Chiefs do in the first couple rounds. But I would expect a wide receiver and a defensive tackle taken with the first two picks. And I like what angry, drunken German says here. Not many teams are going to be willing to trade with us. Yeah, at this point, I think there is some truth to that. At the same time during the height of the Patriots dynasty, they still got trades done. So I think a lot of teams had the philosophy, let's worry about making our own team better and not, you know, what we're doing for other teams and trades. Uh, There are a couple other options. We could actually trade up in the draft. I think there's, there's three surefire guys that are probably going to go in the top 10 that I don't think we have a chance at, but there's a guy like Keon Coleman who has the, the traits, the pure traits to be an all pro. He's probably going to go in the teens you never know. There are some options. I think the thing to keep in mind here was uh, I actually did a study for a newsletter and, and other people have done this as well. The hit rate for round two with wide receivers is about as good as round one. And you saw that with Rasheed Rice, a very similar prospect to Quentin Johnston, being the better player picked almost a full round later. So I think round two is a good place to pick a tight end. The last thing to to put a button on this is they could lean into 12 and 13 personnel more. Uh, Noah Gray, I think, has kind of hit his ceiling as a 30-catch, 300-yard guy. They could try to upgrade there. Uh, Who knows? Blake Bell's kind of long in the tooth at this point, so... Not a great draft, though, for for tight end if you're going the draft route. The, last year was the year to go. This year's the, the free agent route if you're trying to bring in a tight end. Right. I don't think they're going to want to throw money at... Uh, I, I think that, uh, Dalton Schultz is available again and some other guys. It's probably going to be pretty costly. So I expect them to stand pat there too. Let's move on to running back, a much simpler conversation here. Jarek McKinnon will be 32 next season. Long injury history there as well. He's been very valuable to the system. Do you bring him back? Honestly, I, I'm fine bringing him back on a one-year deal. He looked pretty spry still. He's still a great pass protector. When he came back for the Super Bowl that quick after injury, that's not a typical 32-year-old coming off of major surgery. That's a looking like a young buck out there. He recuperated quick, and they used him. Like, he had a couple of nice pickups. Um, yeah, he had one play that was just pivotal late in the game. And 
let's remind everybody, he was five weeks removed from a fractured pelvis and core surgery. That, that injury, that surgery typically has more of a recovery that's eight to eight weeks, 10 weeks, not five, not five. So he came back very quickly. I mean, 32 is ancient for a running back though. And I think ah, if you bring him onto the roster, you certainly have to have an insurance policy for not oh. only Isaiah Pacheco, but him. So let's talk about Clyde Edwards Lair. I kind of feel like he's almost certainly gone, but you know, I think he's also one of these guys that the Chiefs seem to value more than the rest of his league. He's he's extremely liked by his teammates. I don't know if you saw this at the parade. Brittany Mahomes, there were like 10 players, and she ran up to him and hugged him. I think he's I think he's beloved by the locker room and his fellow teammates. Um, but I'm just not seeing it. Yeah. I, I think one of these guys are back next year, not both. Um, Pacheco is obviously the guy. Like, Pacheco is the dude. Um, McKinnon's a guy who I think, again, the same game plan is you kind of rest him during the season, bust him out come playoff time. Um, Clyde, I think, is a fine backup. I think he actually showed a decent amount this season. He's solid, not spectacular. He's solid. Don't know what he's going to garner on the open market. I wouldn't imagine a lot. I think it's almost, I don't want to say backup plan, but I think bringing him back or or McKinnon, for that matter, is almost like a backup plan. Mm-hmm. They might test the waters and say, all right, we trust you guys. You're not moving the needle, but you're not hurting us either. And they're both going to be cheap. So uh, obviously, Pacheco's a dude. You might bring back one of Clyde or McKinnon, but I would be surprised if both came back. Sneaky Clyde landing spot would be in Cincinnati with his old teammates, Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase. I could see that happening uh, just for the familiarity factor. You mentioned that Isaiah Pacheco is a dude. I, I agree. The question here is, is he a true bell cow? Is he a guy that can get 20 to 25 catches a game and hold up with his running style over the course of a season. I think he will get 20 or 25 carries a game, but I don't think he's going to be a guy you use a ton on third downs. Still don't think that's going to be the best case for him. And, and again, it's a long season. The extra game plus the playoffs that the Chiefs are in every single year, that's a lot of wear and tear on a guy. So, well, yeah, he'll, he'll get a lot of carries. The Chiefs will still have another guy who they can split carries with. He won't be a traditional bell cow. I, I think that's kind of going by the wayside in, in the NFL. I mean, even Najee Harris had Jalen Watson um, or Warren, excuse me. You, you know, Derrick Henry had Tajay Spears, like even guys who were bell cows and relatively young in the case of Najee, they have another guy. You know, CMC has Elijah Mitchell. Like, again, CMC is the guy, but they still use Elijah Mitchell a decent amount. Like mm-hmm. um, Raheem Moore or uh, Mostart had um, – Yeah. So like, I'm just in here, they'll have another guy. And that brings me to a fun name, which I want not going to happen. And it's stupid. It goes against everything I've ever said about running backs. And it's just because I think it'd be a fun fit. And that is Austin Eckler. Okay. I get it. I'm team. You don't really pay running backs, but I'm also team. You know, it'd be fun to see Austin Eckler in Kansas city because he's such a good pass catcher. He is the ultimate compliment to Isaiah Pacheco. And by the way, Austin Eckler's very physical in his own right. He's a guy who can push the pile and get those short yardage pickups. He's very, very talented and very good at that. How fun would it be to know, all right, nothing's down the field. Mahomes can check down. Oh, who's there? A guy who caught 100 passes in a season before? Yeah, Austin Eckler is a little bit of an anomaly in regards to the running back position. He's more Alvin Kamara, CMC, than a traditional running back. Very good hands. Now, he is going to be expensive, but not as expensive as I think a lot of people might think he would be. He had a down year last year, and he's also a guy who's used to being in a timeshare. So I do think him and Pacheco would be a lot of fun together. I don't know how realistic it is. It kind of, again, goes against my main philosophy, but at the same time, I do think it'd be very, very fun. Yeah, usually when you hear people say this time of year, they're going to move him out in the slot some about a running back. It's complete bullshit. But with Austin Eckler, it's a reality. He can You can play him at receiver almost anywhere on the field. He did look a little slow last year. He looked like he lost some juice. 
my kind of gut instinct is that they were overusing him for his size. And if you dial back the amount of touches he gets and try to preserve his body a little bit better and mainly use him as a change of pace back, eight to 10 touch cap on him, mainly as a receiver, maybe he gets a little bit of that juice back. Uh, but this price tag that's projected for him, $22 million over three years, I'm just not sure the Chiefs can afford it. Now, maybe Tony Pollard and Derrick Henry and, and Jacobs and some of these other guys uh, get all the attention, and he's the last one kind of standing in musical chairs, and the Chiefs get a discount because, I mean, maybe he's a little bitter. Maybe he's like... The Chargers didn't value me. I want to go beat the Chargers. You know, a little, a little uh, Drew Tranquil playbook there. Uh, a guy that I like that is a dollar store Austin Eckler is Antonio Gibson. Oh, yeah. And, and if Eric Bianami is going to come back to Kansas City, the guy he coached last season there as kind of his change of pace back, Antonio Gibson could follow him here. Uh, his value, $3.6 million for one year. Uh, could be even lower if he doesn't find a dancing partner on a timely schedule. So that's another uh, name to keep in mind. And then there's a draft, uh, maybe a mid-round pick like Will Shipley out of Clemson, your guy, uh, Mizzou's Cody Schrader, right? Uh, Southern Mrs. Frank Gore Jr. No, we don't care. We only care about Cody Schrader, okay? Cody Schrader is him. He's that guy. Give me Cody Schrader in a Chiefs uniform, and I will be beyond thrilled. You and my dad both. I, I would love it, too. Uh, can you believe Frank Gore Jr.'s uh, Frank Gore's son is already going to the NFL? I mean, he just quit, like, Three years ago. It was like when Jameer Nelson's kid hit a three to beat K-State. I'm like, wait, Jameer Nelson has a kid in college? And that's when you start realizing, hey, you're getting old. When guys you watched not like that long ago have kids who you're now watching play in college, you're like, oh, bleep. Wow. Time's a B. Just wait until you are older than any player, active player in the league. Yeah, is this what like Marcel Prost was talking about? You know, I don't know in that that long book. Yeah, yeah. I mean, when Tom Brady was still playing, I was like, "There's one guy that's older than me," and now that's all up in smoke. So I think those are some of the options at running back. Again, compared to wide receiver and this next category that we're going to run through real quick, tackle. I don't think running back is as big of an issue. They've kind of just thrown journeymen in there before and had great success. Uh, Damian Williams, Daryl Williams, the list goes on. I don't think they have to throw a bunch of money at that position to get value given the strengths of the offense and given what Andy Reid has traditionally done with the running back position. And, and given their track record recently, picking guys in the seventh round, getting Jarek McKinnon uh, off the, the trash heap, I think CEH, CEH was, a, was a lesson learned for this front office. Yeah, it's also the easiest position to fill, as Mark points out as well. Yeah, running back is the easiest position to fill. That's, it's just the way the current NFL is, it's true. I feel for those guys, given the shelf life and how they they just beat the shit out of their bodies. But you know, there's so many good ones. Like there's. it's like sorry, there's so many running backs that are good, and you can find ways to utilize them. They drive the market. It's supply and demand, baby. It's economics. It's the economics of the NFL. Well, also they fall off fast. If you look at Le'Veon Bell, Todd Gurley, these guys can be on top of the world one minute and out of the league the next. So it's a tough position to throw money at somebody uh, for a second contract. You want to get a running back ideally either on a first contract or so cheap you don't care like Jared yeah. McKinnon. Let's look at tackle. Basically, the situation here uh, starts with Jawan Taylor, who I think all of us have to admit disappointed for most of the year. You cannot cut him. You cannot cut him because he's due 34 Four million in dead cap. Uh, that's just you can't you can't cut him. Thirty four million in dead cap. Uh, but you were right on this. Probably too much of an investment for an uh, a somewhat unproven right tackle who basically had one really good season. I will say he did do a fairly good job against Nick Bosa in the Super Bowl, he and did. I think there's reason 
I want to get your take on it, but my quick take is there's reason to think he can turn this around. I think last season started off disastrously with the the false start uh, saga where he couldn't get on the football field without getting uh, a, a false start or two every single game. That had to get in his head. I think it, it messed with his whole mental approach and just made him kind of, like you said about Sky Moore, overthink things and not really play like himself. If you're in that head, if you're in your head that much, things aren't natural. You're a little robotic. So in my opinion, this is a yes, at least for this season. And the next year you can cut him, and, and it only costs you 9 million compared to 35 or whatever. But this year, I think they can get enough out of him to make it worthwhile. Yeah. He'll be the right tackle this upcoming season. Um, I, I, I tried, told everyone, no one wanted to listen. I, I was told that I was uh, I was an idiot and that I should just uh, stop talking about this. And, and, and Veach knows what he's doing. Yeah, he knows, he does know what he's doing. Obviously, he won yet again another Lombardi. But also, let's be real now, that was a bad contract. You don't pay a guy Lane Johnson money to not be Lane Johnson, right? There's a reason why I kept saying, I understand how right tackle in today's NFL just as important as left tackle. I get it. They're going up against the the same dudes now. They move guys around. I get it. I understand. But right tackles don't get paid the same as left tackles. That's why you don't pay Travis Kelsey like a wide receiver one. I get it. It sucks for him. But that's, again, the economics of the NFL. You don't do it. It was silly. It was absurd. And now, again, everyone's coming on board with the thought process. He's fine. He's a fine right tackle. He's solid as a pass protector, not great as a run blocker. He's got good feet. And yeah, there probably should be some room for him to improve this upcoming season. I get that. But he's never going to be, in my opinion, the best right tackle in football, which again, he's getting paid like. That you just don't do. It's a faux pas. By the way, if you would have kept an average right tackle and paid an average right tackle, you're probably looking at both Chris Jones and Legereus Need coming back. Not the case. So that's my rant. Now back to Juwan Taylor. He will be here next year. I hope he improves. He got better as the season went on. I'm rooting for the guy. Obviously, the the, the NFL ha- had his number. The ref sure did to start the season. But again, you can't complain that much considering he was. Those were... It, those were penalties. Yeah, they weren't called before, but you have to adjust. That's the way the NFL goes. Once the first one gets called, you have to say, okay, I get it. I can't do that. They're calling me on this now. He didn't for a while. <laughs> he adjusted no. in the playoffs, and that's what matters. But we got to see it for a full season. And did he adjust, or do referees just kind of swallow their, their whistle a little bit more in the postseason because they don't want to hurt the television product. And during the regular season, they're just going to be a little bit quicker with their trigger figure finger uh, calling penalties. Yeah. Uh, hat tip to Chris Collinsworth. I think he did kind of <laughs> help the league lean in. You know, he gave the league a good push into this controversy. Uh, my problem is you mentioned Lane Johnson. He does it as much as Juwan Taylor. They do not call it as much on him. Other players do it, and it seems like because of the Chiefs' visibility, Juwan Taylor was a bit of a marked man. I didn't like that, but he also has to have accountability 100%. You have to adjust at some point. He failed to do so, and I hope he can just get this right because he's got very quick feet when they're not too quick. When they're not so quick, he gets penalized for them. So uh, let's hope he can turn it around. Uh, it's interesting that Veach, because you were kind of reluctant to say that Veach is going to spend significant capital on a receiver. He kind of attacks the receiving room with a scalpel. And at this point, now this might not be permanent, but at this point he attacks the offensive line with a sledgehammer. He's going to, uh, err on the side of, of overspending or overdrafting. I don't think he, he ever wants to see Patrick Mahomes, uh, in that Tampa Bay Buccaneers situation again. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I would agree with that. I, I mean, I think right now you have a good baseline. I'm, I'm pretty high on, on Wanye Morris. Um, I think he showed me enough in his rookie season and you see a huge growth rookie year to second year in the NFL for offensive linemen, especially tackles. Like that's where I think I would say tackles and edge rushers. That's where you see the biggest jump year one to year two. Wanye Morris held his own year one. Wasn't great, but he held his own. That tells you something. I think Wanya Morris is the starting left tackle opening day. I believe that. 
Now, can that change? Sure. But I think he's the starter and you bring in another veteran for depth. That's the way I think the Chiefs and Brett Veach handle this. Might be wrong, but that's what I would personally do. Because, again, I, I, I saw enough from Wanye to say, you know what? I believe in this guy. Yeah, so the question is, is he a starter or a backup? Personally, I'm still on the fence. I saw some good signs, but I also see him struggle uh, against guys like Khalil Mack and Max Crosby. He just looks. But who doesn't, man? Who, I, I know. Who, but he, who doesn't struggle he, against those he, two guys? It, this it wasn't just struggling. He looked completely out of his depths. He looked like he didn't belong on the same field as they did. Uh, and you're going to lose those guys. It, it's a matter of how often do you lose those guys. Jawan Taylor in the Super Bowl got beat by Nick Bosa, but he wasn't getting beat all game by Nick Bosa. He didn't allow Nick Bosa to wreck the game. Wanya Morris, he can't allow those guys to wreck the game. Uh, and I think they drafted him knowing that he is he was a little bit raw coming in. So they probably didn't have huge expectations from him year one. This year will tell us a lot. I, I do. I am a little curious. It feels a little bit like Lucas Niang. I don't know if they're going to go into the season with without another option at left tackle, and they'll probably want to have a competition. So let's move on to doubling down on Donovan Smith as a cheap left tackle with a one-year deal. He's 30. Do you think that's a possibility? Do you think that would be smart, dumb? Some in the middle? Fine. Yeah, I, I, it's fine. Again, you would have to go in, I think, telling him that, okay, man, you're competing for a starting role, but more than likely you're the backup. And then is Donovan going to want to do that? I bet he gets an opportunity on a team to be a starter. Um, he's not great, but he's not bad, man. He's, he was fine. He he was worth the contract. Like, he he earned his money. Um, oh, I, thought he, I think for what he was paid, he was probably even better – than the money. Yeah. He was not paid a ton. He, for no. a left tackle at a premium position. I, yeah, he, he is a guy who I think if you bring back as a backup, I think you're comfortable, but that also tells you that you believe in Wanya Morris. What the chiefs do at tackle is going to make us really have a good understanding of how they feel Wanya Morris fits for the future. Yeah. I think they're going to hang on to Lucas Niang for year four of his rookie deal. Are you, you in agreement there? Yeah. Why, why would you not? I mean, it makes depth, right? It makes too much sense to, 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 to keep him. It, it makes zero sense to move on with a rookie tackle. Prince Taga Wanago? Is he? Prince Taga Wanogo. Prince Taga Wanogo. There you go. It's the one that gets me. I, I feel like I'm fairly good with names, but that name. Matt Prince Connor Tega would be so Wendogo. mad at you right now. Matt Connor would be pissed off that you missed that. He has a Prince jersey. Yeah, well, you know, we all have our our teacher's pets, right? I I, I kind of feel like they're going to let him walk probably. Yeah. Uh, but you could see him back too. I think it just depends on how things shake out. If they if they add a guy in free agency and draft a guy, he's probably gone. If they can't find who they like and they need depth, he's probably still around. Here are some possibilities. The only guy that I'm seeing at left tackle in free agency, other than Donovan Smith, that I think would be worth a damn, and he's very, very, very good, but he also was hurt a lot, and that's Tyron Smith from the Cowboys. He's missed something like 33 games in the past four years, but when he plays, he's a, he's an all pro. There's no doubt about it. I don't think his play has dropped off that much, even though he's 33 and they're projecting him at 7.5 million for one year. Do you think maybe they can convince him to ring chase and he's this year's version of Donovan Smith last year? Uh, yeah, I, I definitely think you can. The injuries are a concern, obviously, but at the same time, I think you look back and say, well, that's why you have depth with Wanya Morris as well. Mm. If he's only getting paid, you know, let's just say 8 million for, for, for fun here. You totally bring him in for 8 million. I, I don't think that's even a question. Um, you look at PFF, which again, I think we all agree, take with a grain of salt and 847 snaps last year his overall grade was 83.8 his pass blocking grade was 88.6 that's phenomenal that also fits in with what the chiefs try to do they try and get pass protectors first and foremost if you can run block that's great especially at the tackle position tyron smith really fits that mold then only had three penalties one sack allowed um man i, I if you can get tyron smith for under 10 I think you make that move. That's where I'm at. 
that also buys you time for Wanya Morris to develop. And if you think Wanya Morris is more of a right tackle, well, then he's probably a right tackle, not this upcoming season, but the year following if they get out of the Jawan Taylor deal. So there, there's ways to, to, to move this around and, and ways to look at it. But if you're telling me right now you can get Tyron Smith for under $10 million, I'm I'm in. Outside of Antonio Gibson, I think this is the most realistic free agent we have spoken about yet. I think they can make this happen, but we're going to see the theory that last year didn't quite shake out like we wanted it to. This theory that guys are going to want to come to the Chiefs to chase championships for uh, a cheaper amount than they would get elsewhere. We saw a little bit of that maybe last year. Maybe maybe Donovan Smith, maybe Drew Tranquil. Uh, at this point, I think the proof is in the pudding that Mahomes is going to keep stacking Lombardis and guys are going to be more incentivized to do that, to come here to get their championship and also to get on TV a, a bunch, to maybe raise their value. Uh, I, You and I have spoken about this. Guys do not like taking discounts. Yep. But maybe we see a little bit more of that this year. I, I The only reason why I say that because normally I'm firmly against that. I, I, we've seen time and time again, the majority of dudes don't take discounts to chase rings. They just don't. Okay. I get it. Put yourself in their shoes. The, you know how much $2 million is? I get it. It might not seem like a lot. Two, have you seen a $2 million house? Yeah. Okay. That, that's what they're giving up. Yeah. I, I think most of, most of the time they're taking the, the extra two mil, but if they understand they can be a part of NFL history of NFL lore of a three-peat, I think that might sway some more guys. Not everyone, because they won't be there for all three. But when you look back in history and say, yeah, I, I, you know, we were part of a three-peat, that might mean a little more, a little more cachet, if you will. So maybe, just maybe, we'll see more of that. And if you're Tyron Smith, you've already got a couple of contracts, you've been paid, you have a lot of money. You're thinking about the Hall of Fame now. You're thinking about kind of putting a bow on your legacy, you win a championship with the Chiefs, that's going to get you into Canton for sure, right? I, I, I mean, I think he's got a case already, but uh, that would be a hell of a way for him to go out. There are other options here. We've talked about defensive tackle and wide receiver in the first round. There are uh, some tackles who will be available in the 20s. I don't know if they'll make it to Kansas City. A couple names for you early. Georgia's... Uh, Amarius Mims. Yeah. I, I, I like I like that player. I like the name. Mm-hmm. Washington's Troy Fatana. Fatano? Is that how you say that? That one I don't know. So that one I can't help you with. We're going to have to practice on that one. Uh, the, you know, there are so many names that get thrown at you this time of year. You kind of have to learn them on the fly. And then Oklahoma's Tyler Guyton. I mean, the Chiefs do love them. And Oklahoma offensive linemen about more than anything you know, that's out there. So those are a few names, those guys. When I look at Chiefs offensive line or offensive uh, tackle prospects, if they don't have 34-inch arms, they're off the board, I think. That's the mold that Andy Heck and Andy Reid like. They like a long-arm tackle. They do not want T-Rex arms out on the edges for them. Well, we thought the same thing with cornerback until Trent McDuffie was was picked. So we, there's we always did. we did always an exception to the rule. And we've said, you know, Spags has a type, and and he's gone against that with with edges before. So, but but I think probably they're gonna look for a long arm guy with a good frame. Uh, they might have to do the Trent McDuffie and trade up into the early twenties to really get the tackle they want and the tackle that they think can start year one. Uh, otherwise, they're probably looking at another Wanye Morris situation. And, and I'd be fine if they waited till round two or three to find the other competition for the job, right? Uh, and I will say this. I know we have to get out of here because I'm sure Richard, this was radio right now. Richard's doing the break sign just like crazy, just sitting there going, break, break, break. I get that. I'm sorry, Richard, in the back. Um we Final didn't have a show here. last week because of, know, the tra- because of well, the tragedy, unfortunately. And- well, a lot to get to. But but in regards to offensive line and tackle specifically, I don't think I would trade up 
and get one of those guys. The reason being is you have other holes that you need to get a impact player. They need to get a somewhat of an impact player at wide receiver in the draft. And I think you have to get that at defensive tackle. Neil Farrell right now is the only defensive tackle who's under contract, who's not on a futures deal. Like again, Isaiah Bugs futures deal. That's fine and all, but Neil Farrell is the only guy under contract. That's a pretty big deal. A lot of holes to fill in the defensive line. So I think you'll see a first rounder there, right? And then I think you'll see a second round wide receiver. Then I think you might start to attack at tackle. You do have depth at tackle, even though it's not great. You at least have some depth there. You got none at defensive tackle and you got to have an impact player. Even if Chris Jones does come back, you still need an impact player there. So that's the way I see it shaking down. I don't see a tackle being a top priority for Kansas City in the draft. That's the way I see it. Yeah, I don't I don't know, man. I think they're going to probably when you're drafting at 32, you somewhat have to go with what the board gives you. You can't really force it. And in the first round, there's immense value in getting the right player because when you when you don't get the right player, you don't pick up the fifth year option. Look look what happened with Clyde. You know? well, 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 at 32, that's fine. But when I'm saying trade up, sorry, I, sh- I should have also throw the, throw the caveat in. I, I would be shocked if they traded up because that means they'd give another draft pick. They only have, is it five this year, if I'm not mistaken? Um I really would be surprised if they trade up. If anything, I see trading back even trying even harder than last year because of that. Yeah, but I will say the reason I love the Trent McDuffie trade up is because the cornerbacks that came after him are not going to be guys that stick around on fifth year deals. But now they have him for a fifth year under cheap cost control. So it's very important in the first round that you get a guy that you're going to have for five years. George Karloftis on the fifth year of his contract is going to be a hell of a bargain. So I think continuing to pick premium positions, getting the right guy in the first round is, is what they want to do. If this was the Oscars, the music would be playing. They'd be pushing us off the stage. So uh, any closing thoughts? Six. They have six picks. It looks like they're the first, second, third, fourth, fifth from Dallas and a fifth overall. That's what I'm seeing right now. I could be wrong. I've been wrong many times before, but my initial thought is the Chiefs have six draft picks. So not really enough ammo to move up and, and like they have in the past, right? Is that kind of your your initial take? Yes, correct. Yeah, in the past when they've moved up, they've had a little bit more ammunition. And what they might do if they want to move up, move up in the second round. Move up to, I, I think they did that with Rasheed Rice. You know, move up. It, it's a lot cheaper to move up in round two than it is to move up in round one. But that's all we've got for you guys today. Props to our chat. As always, we appreciate you. Please mash the like button and subscribe if you haven't. What are you doing if you haven't? Uh, AudioPod listeners, Spotify, Apple, five-star reviews do us a ton of good. Please consider that. It helps us continue to grow, which we've been doing a lot of. Uh, That's it. But uh, join us next Wednesday at 4.30 p.m. Central right here on the Arrowhead Attic channel. Until then, we're Super Bowl champs and the rest of the league is going to have to deal with it. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.